The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. We had with us uh, on the bookshelf last week Hugh Wallace. He put The Good Shepherd by C.S. Forrester uh, on the shelf before him. Terry Prone was with us. Before Terry, we had Alice Leahy this week. I'm delighted to say that Caroline Morahan is here, the Irish actress and the presenter, with another edition for the bookshelf. Caroline, how are you? I'm good. Good evening. Yeah, it's great to see you. And uh, thanks a million for popping into studio. I will get right to it. What book are you putting on the bookshelf? What is your favourite book? Okay, so this put me on a bit of a personal voyage of discovery. Okay. When you reached out, I had to really think about it. I mean, I had half a dozen books on the nightstand that I was like, nope, nope. So what I've actually pulled out is something that I hadn't read for probably 20 years. And it's Veronica Decides to Die. So I went for a very obscure author that no one's heard of. (laughs) So it's Paolo Coelho, who uh, a lot of people will know, uh, The Alchemist. Yes. Which didn't do for me what this book did. Okay. I enjoyed The Alchemist. But this book, honestly, I was profoundly moved by it, possibly forever changed. And... It was really interesting, actually, when your researcher Florence and I spoke and I was like, I have to read it again. And I couldn't find the hard copy. So I got it on the phone and I just read the whole thing on Saturday morning. And I was annoyed, actually, that I didn't get to luxuriate over it. But it absolutely stands everything I remembered about it. So uh, we'll talk in a moment then about why it had such an impact on you or how it maybe changed you. Veronica decides to die. What's the story? What happens in it? Don't totally give it away, but... I won't totally (laughs) give it away. In the first few pages, we establish uh, Veronica, who is a young, beautiful 24-year-old girl in Slovenia from anyone passing by would think she has a wonderful life. She has loving parents. She has a decent job. She's attractive. She has boyfriends when she wants them. But in the first few pages, she has made the decision to end her life. And... There's no drama with this. And I know this is a difficult subject and I'm sure very it's a very triggering subject. Yeah. But the way it's handled is completely neutrally. And actually, as I was looking up the book, uh, I found out that a film had been made, which I actually wasn't aware. And complete contrast, it's so ridiculously dramatic in the trailer. It's like, bum, bum, bum. This book is so quiet and so simple um, in, in that opening. So Veronica has made this decision. And then in the the very early stages, so again, not ruining anything, she wakes up in not the afterlife, which she doesn't believe in, but she wakes up in a an institution. So somebody has intercepted this attempt. Okay. And when she comes to, the head of the hospital tells her that she's done irreparable damage to her heart. Okay. So she is, in fact, going to die. So her response to that is, well, I've succeeded then. So it's a very, I mean, it's a, you're floored immediately by the opening of the book. And then the journey of the book is what happens to her and mm. the people she influences in, in Valette, in this Slovenian um, hospital, because suddenly the choice is taken from her and there's suddenly a, a timeline that she didn't have before. So the the arrival of her death makes life valuable for the first time to her because she's been walking through life Mm. in a state of absolute apathy. Almost everything's in grey. It's like the handbrake is on. She's not actually actively living in her own life. And then this 
changes everything for her and the other people in the hospital. And it was just such an inspiring, uplifting read. Why was it so impactful for you, do you suspect? Well, I was trying to remember exactly what was going on when Mm. I read it. But my, I hope my approach to my own life and my own choices has been, I've always tried to be gut led as opposed to, and it's one of the themes of the book. One of the, one of the reasons that Veronica was in this state of apathy. And I mean, we could talk about this book for weeks. You know, there's so much in it. But one of the things seems to have been that in their quest to protect their daughter, the parents, her parents who loved her deeply, they wanted what was best for her. And she expressed an interest as a young girl um, in music and in being a musician. They were like, well, that's lovely, but that's not a career. That's not a real Mm. life. So it's that, you know, well-worn path of do the sensible thing versus what you're passionate about. And, And so she kind of let that whole side of herself go fallow. She didn't have any outlet for that kind of creative expression. And it was like, really for her, it was such a driving thing for her that that part of her died then. Her kind of soul went to sleep and that is reawoken. There's a piano at the ho- the hospital. Yeah. And she gets to go during the night. She's like, the nurses say, well, you're not disturbing anyone. And she just plays with her heart and soul because now she's in this situation where all her life she's done things for other people or what she thinks are is the right thing to do. And now she's in this situation where I've got nothing to lose. I'm not going to be ju- judged. People think I'm crazy anyway. Yeah. So it's the first time she has this liberation and this personal freedom and lack of self-judgment and self-repression. And and that's so joy starts to come back into her life and the other people that hear the music. Can you remember where you were or when it was or what was going on in your life when you read it? I'm trying to think. Oh my God, my memory. I mean, I can't remember. I'm in the middle of a sentence. This will probably happen now as we talk. I'm like, well, Karen, what was I saying? (laughs) (laughs) But I do know I've had many moments in my life where I've kind of come to those crossroads. Yeah, that's what I was getting. I just wondered, did, did, did it resonate with something that was going on? Well, I think it did. Like I've always sort of had that thing because for her, she just saw life as just this endless procession of repeating the same tasks. And I mean, I get it. I'm packing lunches, I'm picking up Lego nonstop. <laughs> you oh, know, yeah. I understand yeah. what that mundane, like it's very different from when I read the book, I had, you know, freeze a bird, do whatever I want. It was a different time. But I've, I have always kind of had that thing where, you know, you come to a point and you go, you know, this isn't working for me. I need to make a change. And I like to think that I don't always make the change that's going to be the most comfortable. Mm. And it might not be the easiest road. And I think there's something to be said. That's one of the themes of the book of like trying to just go for what you in your waters yeah. feel is the right decision versus what makes sense. Have you gone back then and, and reread parts of it? I reread the whole thing. The whole thing? Yeah. Did it resonate any way differently on a second read? Were there things about it that maybe you didn't notice or that you interpret differently now? Were there? Well, definitely from the point of view of being now a parent. Mm. But that was something, I read a book while I was pregnant on my um, little boy who's now four and the whole book was absolute waffle, but there was one paragraph (laughs) that made it worthwhile and it was about that that is one of these themes of allowing your own child to find and be whatever it is 
that is right for them because you might have a notion, you might be like, we're a family of doctors, we're a family of whatever it is. But this person, you know, you've brought them into the world, but you're not responsible for what their own journey will be. So that was interesting reading it now, having, um, uh, now that I am a parent, um, that was definitely something that I looked on. It's because everybody has to go through their own personal struggle. Yeah. And trying to take away the struggle from someone then lessens their experience of growing through something. Because any it's kind of it's it's there's an instinct though, isn't there? To <laughs> of course to and I, you know I kind of appreciate. I would have seen it as very old fashioned. Again, this idea you know we're a family of you know accountants, therefore you'd be an accountant, and and there is something old fashioned in it. At the same time, like yourself as a parent now, I realise that there's also a kind of a security blanket in it. And what you're what you're saying is this has worked out for us. You know, we've been able yes. to live a kind of a relatively comfortable life. Yes. We have a roof over our heads. And I, I desperately want the same for you yes. as my child. Please do what I did. And that's normal. But in the case of several of the characters in the book, and one thing that blew my mind that I'd forgotten was that it's actually semi-autobiographical. So I had totally forgotten this. Okay. Um, Paolo Coelho, his parents had an idea for him growing up in Brazil and he grew up under a very harsh military dictatorship and so it was very repressed culture and when he was about 17 he started showing signs of wanting to be an artist and his parents interpreted that literally as madness. He was sectioned three times. Wow. He was given electroconvulsive therapy. The idea that, what are you talking about? You've lost your mind. So that is just astonishing to me. And his his mother there, bawling, crying, doing it for the good of her son. Yeah. And he speaks at the end of the book about talking to his father when his dad was 85 about writing this book. And the dad said, will it do you any damage to expose the fact that you were, you know, sectioned and he said mm. no it won't and then he goes please do it I don't want any more secrets Wow! but the parents didn't forgive themselves themselves and yeah. Paolo was going please it wasn't that bad because he was also interred for his political views and being outspoken at a time yeah. when that was not okay so I just find that so interesting they really wanted to do what was best so he didn't discover his artist's sort of path until his late 30s Margaret is after texting in to say Veronica Decides to Die is a fabulous book and I remember it was once recommended on a radio programme by the late great Sinead O'Connor. So there you go. Uh, Margaret, thank you for the text. So a very, very worthy addition uh, to the Hard Shoulder Bookshelf. Veronica Decides to Die uh, by Paolo Coelho. Uh, What are you reading at the moment? I am reading The Gruffalo. (laughs) Wow, yeah. (laughs) With his knobbly knees and turned out toes. There you go. Um, I've got a few things on the go, but I brought in this one, which is Guinevere Turner. So your your movie buffs will know Guinevere as the um, the writer of American Psycho. Okay, she is um, a wonderful actress, director, writer. She's also a, a bit of a lesbian icon. She was in the L Word back in the day, and I was gifted this book just before uh, leaving LA before Christmas by the gorgeous director and producers of a series that I worked on where Guinevere played my mother. Okay. So they handed me this book and then when everything was calm on the flight, I opened the book and my jaw just hit the floor. 
because I don't like to read, you know, the back pages or the inserts or whatever. I want to dive in and not know what I'm reading. Yeah. Like people who don't watch trailers. Yeah, trailers. Not a good idea. Don't watch them. <laughs> anyway, we digress. Go on. But, um, but Guinevere was raised in a cult and her childhood experience was, I mean, it's beyond description. And having met her and having worked with her and I found her to be such a powerful yet gentle, wonderful human being. I was like, oh my gosh, to have come through what she came through. Yeah. So it's the cult that she grew up in is the Lyman, Mel Lyman was the head of the cult. So as a six-year-old in Laurel Canyon, down the road from me in L.A., she opens the book in her best dress with her little dolly. She's sitting on the sofa because today's the day. The, the book is called When the World Didn't End. Okay. So today's the day that planet Earth is going to be uh, obliterated. Yeah. But it's all grand because her and everyone in that house are going on a spaceship to live in Venus. And that's how the story begins. Oh, brilliant. I'm, I'm, I'm hooked. I'm already in. I'm already in. Did you read uh, Educated by Tara Westover a few years ago? It wasn't quite a cult, but it was cultish, her family. Um, and it's an absolutely amazing memoir. Uh, a lot of people uh, m- might remember it, uh, but I love that book. So I'm definitely mm. going to read uh, that one as well. Uh, when the World Didn't End, a memoir uh, by Guinevere Turner. Uh, Caroline, it's been a real pleasure. Thank Listen, you. thanks a million for uh, coming in. Two great additions to the Hard Shoulder Bookshelf. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from 4 on News Talk.